thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Tonight, uh, during our, our evening service, we'll have our prayer devotional. And, and I know it's easy. Okay, listen, I, I know it's easy to say, oh, we're just having a prayer devotional tonight. Okay, and that might not seem as important as this or may not seem as important as that. And um, you're like, well, I've already been to church once today. But, but can I just tell you to think about this for a second, that tonight as a church family, we're going to come together and we are going to enter the throne room of God in prayer. Now, is there anything more powerful than that? that we can do as a church family. We can have picnics together. We can have preaching together. We can have class together. And I'm not saying that stuff's not important, but, but as you think about what you're going to do tonight at 6 o'clock, I want you to think about the awesomeness that is prayer. And, and, and we talk about prayer a lot, and, we, and, we, and some of you pray a lot, and... Um, I was reading something, I think I mentioned this the other day, I was reading something on Facebook the other day, somebody had posted, I don't think it was anybody from here, um, but they had posted, it was like, seven things you can say instead of, I'm praying for you. And I thought, why would you want to say anything else? And it was like, you know, how to show sympathy without saying, I'm praying for you. And, and I'm sitting here, Sean, I'm thinking, that's the most powerful thing I can do for you is to pray for you, right? And so tonight, I want you to understand that, that our prayer time with our shepherds may be, may be the most powerful thing we do together, short of, uh, of the Lord's Supper together, might be the most powerful thing we do together as a church family this week. And I know that it has been a hard last week for our church family. And I can't think of anything more important for us to do than to pray together. Now, what I want you to do, and you can do this while I preach, you can do this at any point today, but I want everybody, if you have a need or, or a prayer or a request or a thanksgiving, a lot of times these, these prayer things get to be about what I need and want, need and want, but let's not forget the thanksgivings, okay? Write those down. And before you leave today, hand those off to myself or Jonathan or one of the elders, and we will make sure that, that they get those for tonight and that we pray about those things tonight. And, and, I, and I want to, to just humbly ask you to come back and be with us for this tonight. I know a lot of times our PM services are not as large in number as our AM services, um, but I want us to challenge that tonight. I want us to challenge that tonight and be back and let's just pray with each other. Deal? Everybody give me this. If you're nodding your head, you better be here tonight. I'm, we've got it on video, Facebook Live. I'll go back and watch, see who nodded their head. Actually, I can just see about 10 of you right here. So, Speaking of, let's pray together. God, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for being our Father. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for being our Savior. We thank you for being our Comforter and our Counselor, God. 
We just thank you this morning. And when we come to you today, I hope, with just open hearts and open minds, really, truly willing to just turn our life over to you. God, we're so grateful for our brother Tyler this morning, who to, to, to start the day, before we even begin a period of worship, says, look, I've, I've sinned. I've, I've, I've done some things I don't need to, and I want to make sure that I'm right with God. And God, we, we rejoice with your angels this morning in his repentance. And God, we know that he is like all of us. There are things in our lives that grab at us every single day, and they try to pull us away, and, and, and they, Satan accomplishes that at times with all of us, God. And in those moments, help us to find our strength that is only in you. Help us rely and lean in to our church family instead of trying to walk this journey alone, God. Help us to just take advantage of, of the awesomeness that is Christ and his church. But we rejoice this morning in his repentance. And we pray, God, that if there, that, that, that I know in a room with this many people that there's others carrying sin, burdens, heartaches, God, help us today before our time ends in whatever way it needs to be done to release those things to you, to lay those at your feet, God. We thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior, who said we're worthy and we're worth dying for. And he came and lived a sacrificial life, always giving, always giving, always giving. Help us to mold our life like him, to stamp his image in our heart every single day, to be more like him. But we're grateful for his sacrifice. We're grateful for what that means for us as children, that, that we have a hope, not a, not a wishy-washy hope, but an assurance that if we've had our sins washed away in that moment of baptism, if we've pledged our life with a good conscience, not just the removal of dirt, as, as Peter writes. As long as we walk in the light, we'll have fellowship with you, and that when this world fades away, that we will be able to be home with our Savior. We're grateful for that, God. Help us to never forget how awesome that that truly is. Be with us as we open your word this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest as, as I've said, opposed to the times that I've lied to you. It's not working at all? Okay. Um, the... Uh, it, it, it's been a challenging week. It's been a busy week. It, it's been, um, it's been a week that where many of us, as as a family here at Ninth Avenue, have hurt. We've hurt, and, and we've hurt together in many ways. We we've loved together in many ways. As I read, um, I guess it was what Sunday night, maybe. Um, sometimes we laugh together, sometimes we cry, sometimes those things happen at the exact same time, and, and there is a lot of greatness and um, comfort in that. And so uh, all week long, I've, I've just, I've wrestled with what to say this morning, not wanting my words, um, not wanting my words to be heard, but the words of God to be heard, 
and and I have looked at a couple of different passages. Uh, the first, I guess, comes from Mark chapter seven. If, if you've got your Bibles, go to Mark chapter seven. I don't think that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. Um, I don't know, it might be. Um, Mark chapter 7. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 7. We're not going to spend any time in Mark chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, as we're still talking, thinking about this idea of what he said, words of Jesus. Um, soon afterwards, uh, Jesus went into a town called Nea, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And he said, don't cry. How many of you have cried this week? About one thing or another. How many of you have cried this week? How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you are criers? Like, you're just criers. Adriana's a crier. We talk about what's for lunch. Adriana cries. Um... How many of you, like it takes a lot to make you cry. It takes a lot to make you cry. But when you cry, watch out, because something emotional has erupted and something bad is going on. Um, I, am, I am the latter. I am the not a, a big crier. Although uh, as I have gotten older, I'm not old, but as I have gotten older, I have caught myself as I'm watching movies and get to a little emotional part, you know, the, the tears start to, you know, and I'm like, nope, mm -mm, not going to do it, not going to do it. Let's go watch something else, you know. Um, but could you imagine having your world turned upside down and Jesus walk up to you and go, hey, don't cry, don't cry. And, and, and I think about that woman, and I don't know if she knew Jesus. I don't know. You, you, you don't get any idea one way or another if, uh, she, if she knew if Jesus. And one of, in life, one of the easiest things to tell people, and I, and I, I think may, you don't ever mean anything bad by it, but one of the easy things to tell people if, say, Jonathan's having a bad day, be like, hey, he's going to be okay. Have you ever told anybody it's going to be okay? And has anybody ever told you, hey, it's going to be okay? And you're like, if you only understood what was going on right here and right here, you would know it's not going to be okay. You know, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way? And I kind of feel like that maybe this woman might have. I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to put myself in this story and trying to understand it. If she didn't know Jesus, this, this man just walks up to her and all of a sudden these, you know, these two crowds intersect and you got a crowd coming in that's excited because they're following Jesus and you got a crowd coming out and they're upset and sad because life has just thrown them a curveball and her son's died and she doesn't doesn't know what to do and this maybe this stranger just walks up to her and goes hey Jake don't cry and she's like Jake's like what are you talking about and that's kind of how the woman is like what are you talking about don't you get it but you know this is kind of a reoccurring idea in Jesus don't be upset don't worry 
It's going to be okay. I want you to turn with me to the book of John. Book of John, chapter 13. And there's just some things that this week, as I've, I've, I've kind of been in a personal study of some things, and, and this section of Scripture keeps coming back up. And I, and I think maybe it's appropriate to think about this morning because it carries the same idea as don't cry. Don't you get it, God? Don't cry. And so let's, let's set the stage here. It was just before the, uh, before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. There's a lot, man. We could, we could preach just that verse just with, with so much power. But first set the stage. It's the Passover festival. It's Passover time. Um, What's what's how many of you like your favorite holiday is Christmas? Anybody got the favorite holiday Christmas? How many of you your favorite holiday is Thanksgiving? Okay, okay. Um, do any of y'all like those are like the main holidays? What's the rest of the holidays that could be your like President's Day? Anybody got President's Day your favorite holiday? You know. So imagine how many of you like you love Christmas, but you're ready for Christmas to be over once it gets here. How about that? How many of you don't love it? You're ready for Christmas to be over once it gets. And Thanksgiving's kind of the same way. I want you to take Thanksgiving and Christmas and ball it all up together. It's one big holiday, okay? And you begin to get the idea of the hustle and bustle that would have been the Passover festival, okay? I mean, this is, this is their biggest, like, remembrance time that everybody gets together. It's so important because it goes all the way back to Moses and Egypt, and, and, and this even, like, this even predates the law. You know, the law was such a big thing to these people, but if you think about it, the Passover is really the first command, if you will, that Jesus gives the people of Israel. To, to do this and then remember this, like it predates the law. And so, you know, the Jews still, still practice this today and still remember this today, not because of law, but because of, of, of what it meant for their people. And it was such a big thing. And Jesus is going to share it with his, if you will, family. These, these, these 12 guys that he spent every day with for three years. And they're going to have this great moment, this great moment of remembrance. But Jesus has also got in the back of his mind, as we see here, what's, what does Jesus know that these guys hadn't quite grasped yet? It's almost over. The, 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 in many ways, the easy part's done. The hard parts. Do you think Jesus had some things on his mind that night? Absolutely. When we see him in the garden, we know that he had some things on his mind. But, he, but it says here, and I love this phrase, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the what? To the end. That there was no stop in his love. And so in this moment, a lot of times as we look at this Passover moment, we look at the institution of communion. We look at the institution of communion, but there are a couple of, to me, equally powerful things that Jesus talks about, even in the idea of command. Um, so, so they're sitting around the table, 
All right, they're sitting around the table. It says, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come for God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal. So he's got a lot on his mind. He got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, you've all heard these sermons of being a servant and, you know, be like Jesus and why he would have done this. There wasn't, you know, this was a custom. There's always somebody there of lower position, and Jesus lowered himself. And, and I believe all that's true, but I think there's more to it. So stay with me. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And I love, I love Peter in this moment. Jesus replied, you do not know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And I love that, you know, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, kind of like, what do you think you're doing? And Jesus, maybe very much in a parenting moment, like as a parent, I understand this phrase. You don't understand what's going on. You know, you know, like when your kids, they, they're starting to grow up and they kind of get what's happening, but then something you're like, you don't get this. Like, just be quiet. You don't understand what's happening. And that's kind of what he's doing. He's like, but later you'll understand. No, 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 no. He said, you will never wash my feet. And I, and I, and I love his like, just, I, I'm going to tell Jesus what to do. The man that walks on water, the man that calmed the sea, the man that gave sight to the blind, the man that has risen the dead. I'm going to tell Jesus what to do. That takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? It takes a lot of, I don't know what the word is, but whatever it is, it takes a lot of it. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, he replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. It's like, if we're going to do it, let's, let's do it. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray, betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. So he finishes all of this up, and he goes on. We fast forward to verse 18. Am I not referring to all of you? I know those who I have chosen, but this too is to, uh, this to fulfill the passage of Scripture he who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when, I, when, it is, when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts everyone, I sin accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in the spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another. Have you ever had that moment where something's going on in the room and there's like a lot of nonverbal communication? Like, did you, you're making like, Shay, I want to make sure you just heard that. Did you hear what Jesus just said? And Shay's like looking, you know, over here at Vicky and Vicky's kind of looking over here at, you know, and then they're looking over here and you're just kind of staring around and nobody's saying anything. It's real awkward. Everybody knows something's going on. And they're like, what's, what's he talking about? Because how hard would it be to be sitting in a room with 12 of your best friends? Okay, that's what these people have become. 12 of your best friends and, one, and, and Jesus looks at you and goes, one of you is going to turn your back on me. It just hits them like a ton of bricks. 
turns them upside down. They don't even know what to say. All they can do is look at each other. Okay, One of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon mentioned to the disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the bread, the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And so Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you were about to do, do quickly. So here you've got, he's, he's turned everything upside down like he's washed their feet. Then he says, hey, of all you people that, that love me the most, like my best friends, one of you's going to turn your back on me. And I don't think they understood the gravity of that yet. But he's like, one of you's going to turn your back on me. And, and, and I would imagine that just, that just charged, the, charged the room almost in a negative way, okay? Verse 31, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. Now what does he say? I've been with you all this time. Now I'm just fixing to leave, and you can't go where I'm going. Okay? This has all been about teamwork up to this point, but I'm fixing to be gone. And so you've washed my feet. You've told me my best friend's going to betray you. And now you tell me you're leaving? This guy that I love so much, you're just going to be gone? And I can't have anything to do with you? And Peter, once again, you know, has got to get all riled up here. But he says in verse 34, a new command I give you. Love one another. Love one another. Is that where he stops? What does the rest of it say? As I have loved you. A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. I want to park right there for just a moment. I want to ask you a question. Why'd you come this morning? Why'd you come this morning? We're all going to have different answers to that question. Some of them are going to be similar. But why did you come this morning? And let me ask you this. Did you show up here this morning with the understanding that one of the most important things and one of the commands of Jesus was that when we are together, we have to what? Love each other. We have to love each other. How many of you walked in the building this morning with the mindset of, how can I love someone today? How many of you did that? How many of you walked in this room and said, how can I love someone today? Or how many of you walked in, some of you, some of you, we're, we're down a mother this morning, okay? Down a mother this morning, she's not feeling well. And so I've got all four kids there. I think they're all in here. Well, I think somebody's got Britain out there, London out there somewhere. And uh, listen, y'all. I got up, got myself dressed, got all of them dressed, got everybody in the car, disciplined the two big kids because they were fussing over the front seat. So they both sat in the back seat on the way up here. But, you know, I walked in this morning and I took a deep breath, realized I forgot my suit coat, forgot my tie. It's going to be all right. Most importantly, we forgot London's pacifier. That's like, you know, could throw the whole day into a tailspin in one moment, you know. And so I'm just like, so everybody's like, hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm just glad to be here. Anybody else just glad to be here this morning? Any of you just breeze in the door and you're like, whew. Tanner, you get it, right? Where's Bruce? Bruce gets it. Like, you know, us, us, you know, us crazy people with all these kids 
And I just want to clear something up. I posted an ultrasound picture, a blunt Collins ultrasound picture from 12 years ago, and some of you thought we were pregnant again. We're not, okay? <laughs> that club is a, like, like open for like people to join in this church right now, but we are not a part of it, okay? So... We all walked into this room thinking about a lot of things this morning. Some of you walked into this room thinking about worship, and I'm glad of that. Some of you walked in this room carrying burden this morning, and I understand that. Some of you may have walked in this room wondering, if I wonder if I can catch Matthew say something he doesn't need to say, and I understand that because I talk a lot. Sometimes I say the wrong things. But how many of you walked in the room this morning ready to fulfill a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you? Because we talk about a lot of things that we're supposed to do at church, but very rarely do we talk about the command of when we're together, we're to love one another. And I believe if we do all these other things in absence of love one another, all those other things are empty. Before Jesus died on the cross, before he did a lot of things, before we have all these commands and ways of worship, he said, I'm going to preface it all with love one another. Now, let me back up and say this. I have seen so much love in this church over the last week. So much love in this church over the last week. And it has filled my soul that when we have people and brothers and sisters hurting, that this church rallies around them and showers them with love. And, and every church that I've ever been to <coughs> and worked with has had a strength that's very obvious from day one. And for me, with you guys, one of the great strengths of this church is love. And I'm so grateful for that. But that doesn't mean we can't love better, right? That doesn't mean we can't be more aware of it. <coughs> so pay attention to what he says. Love one another as I've loved you. Simon, Simon totally missed it. Peter totally missed it. Because what does he focus on? Lord, where are you going? He misses the love me thing, love you thing. Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? And, and I think he meant it because in a few hours, he's going to draw his sword. He's going to be ready to fight and die beside Jesus. I think he meant it. He says, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You're sitting at Christmas dinner with the family that you love, and the head of the family says, one of you is going to betray me, one of you is going to disown me, and I'm fixing to leave, and you can't go with me. So we've gone from celebrating this great festival of excitement to now we've charged this room with all of this negative energy, okay? Negative energy. We are in the same situation as our, our woman that we met in our story, she's walking out of the city and her world has been turned upside down. And Jesus looks at her and says, don't, what do you say? Don't cry. And he's fixing to do it again. Chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
You know, Wiley and I were talking about this this week, and, and I appreciate his insight. One of the things that I love and hate about the Bible, and it's not about the Word of God, it's about the printing of your Bible. I love and hate chapters. I love and hate chapters, and I love and hate headings. Chapters, headings, verse numbers, not Holy Spirit inspired, okay? Not Holy Spirit inspired. Man-made to make it easier to read. We all understand that. But the conversation that starts in chapter 14, that a lot of times we go, oh, that's the beginning of a chapter, that's something new, do not let your hearts be troubled, is really a continuation of everything that's happened up to this point in this room. And he's got all this stuff up in the air. And that's what happens to us. We get anxious when things are up in the air, don't we? When things don't fit where they're supposed to, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that that's what anxiousness is, is when a part doesn't fit. When things are out of order. And peace is when all parts are joined together properly. And so he's just taking everything joined together properly, and he's just, as he did in the temple, he just turned it all upside down. And these guys are staring at each other, wondering what's going to happen. They're confused. They're, 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 they're troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. How many of you, how many of you have had trouble, troubled hearts in the last six weeks? Troubled hearts. Jesus looks at you this morning and says, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let the anxiety overwhelm you. Don't let the feeling of being out of control control you. Believe in God and believe in me. That's what he says. Because you see, believing in Jesus means we have access to the peace that surpasses what? All understanding. Because you see, when, 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 do you want to know why? And it says this twice in this passage. Twice in this passage, it mentions that Satan had entered. What does Satan do when he enters a situation? Does he ever make it better? Is there ever a moment that when Satan enters the picture that things get better? No. He says there's going to be times that things are just going to be turned upside down. Sometimes it's going to be because of Satan. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's just life. But he says there's some things you can hold on to. First is your love for each other. That love for each other is going to get you through so, so, so much. I've dealt with things in my own life that I look back and I wonder, had it not been for my church family, would I have ever gotten through it? 
and I probably would have gotten to the other side of it, but getting to the other side of something and getting through something is two totally different things, right? And also remember who we serve. Believe in God. Believe also in me, he says. Why? He said, because I'm, I'm going to prepare you a place. I'm going to prepare you a place. So when they heard this, so within the temple, with, within what had been built around the temple and everything, there was the housing for the priests. And so the priests got to live kind of there around in the temple. There were rooms in the temple. The temple very much registered them as God's house, okay? And so he's telling them, he says, look, in my father's house are many rooms, I'm going to prepare you a place. He says, I'm going to prepare you a place where you get to live close to God every single day. Paul's going to echo these thoughts over and over when he talks about our resurrection. He says, there's coming a day, y'all, when the hurt and the pain and the struggles of this life are going to be left behind. Can you say amen to that? They're going to be left behind. And this temporary challenge, these temporary moments of hardship, even though they may not feel temporary, we're going to be with him. Believe in me. Believe in me. Again, I don't know why you're here this morning. I don't know what, I don't know what pushed you here. But I do know God's happy you're here. And I do know that some of you walked in this morning carrying burdens. Some of you came in carrying guilt and sin. Some of you came in carrying love. Some of you came in carrying a worshipful heart. Some of you maybe came in carrying a critical spirit. Our invitation song here in just a moment is Just As I Am. God doesn't care why you came in, but he cares how you leave. He cares how you leave. He cares that if you walk in lost, that you leave saved. Which is why he says in such simple words, if you believe in me and are baptized, you'll be saved. That bondage of sin that carries, that you carry, that keeps you from living the fullness of your life will be taken away. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, when you're baptized, you're forgiven of your sins and you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers you, but it also assures your salvation, seals you as one of God's. So if you've walked in lost this morning, don't walk out lost. Walk out saved. But whatever burden you brought in this morning, leave it at the Savior's feet when you leave today. And as you leave... Make it a point to love one another as you walk out the door. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for these two moments in the life of your son where he says, don't worry. And I know he says it in, in, in other ways. Don't cry, don't be troubled, don't worry. Don't be consumed with the things of this world, trust in me. Lean on him. Help us to do that, God. Help us to love as he has loved us. Help us to use that as a motivation for our being with each other. 
And God, just, just help us to believe in you so that we can find that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is beyond the azure blue, a God concealed from human sight. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a church of Christ caring for its community. Is it